0: Claire Milligan, welcome to the conversation today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Southern California. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about the neurodiverse leader and how we can leverage unconventional traits for exceptional results. Uh, This is a fascinating topic to me. I've done a a little bit of research um, and work in the space of neurodiversity in the workplace, Um, and some of the challenges for neurodiverse individuals. um, I've never looked specifically at neurodiverse leadership. And so I think this is just going to be fascinating from that standpoint for me. But from a practitioner standpoint, I think hopefully this is just super valuable to anyone listening or watching today um, to get some real ideas and, and, and tips and tricks for how we can go about better working together. As we get started, I wanted to share Claire's bio with everybody. As someone with ADHD, Claire Milligan is not afraid to tell you she often bounces from one thing to the next. But the same ADHD that brings about the ping pong effect also enables her to break down complex concepts in easy to understand ways, hyper until she identifies a solution to a particular challenging problem, and helps her see things from all angles so she's able to support her team in the way they need to be supported. Today, Claire will be explaining why neurodiversity can be a career asset and share how others can leverage their own unique traits to level up their leadership. Now, Claire, is there anything else you would like to share by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, Currently, I I am the co-founder and CEO of a business uh, named Aimably, and what we do is help companies understand what they're spending on cloud services and how Mm. to control those And the experience of being an entrepreneur as one with ADHD has been quite a roller coaster and much different than being in a corporate context where I was before. So both of those things have been um, really instrumental in how I think about how people should be leading and considering um, being leaders when they come from the neurodiverse background like I do.
0: Maybe if we can start by just with you taking a few minutes to explain what you mean by neurodiversity. Um, And so I think I already mentioned... ADHD for you, Um, uh, we have individuals on the autism spectrum, Uh, there's a variety of things that kind of get lumped into that, um, that labeling.
1: Essentially, it's, uh, um, if you process information in a way that's different from how our society is structured. A lot of times people might think, Oh, since there are so many people who think that they have ADHD, uh, it couldn't possibly be something that's different. And you know, there are, there are quite a few of us out there and there are quite a few people on the autism spectrum as well as we, as we understand it better. And we grab hold of the more broad range of definitions that still means that we think slightly differently uh, than how schools are structured, jobs are structured, the way we interact with the world or the way we're trained as children.
0: And, and like you said, there's a, a wide range uh, of different elements that kind of fall under that umbrella, um, mm-hmm. different traits and whatnot. Uh, and, and I think just within the autism spectrum. So I've been doing work um, around autism in the workplace now for, I don't know, six, seven years uh, something <laughs> in that range. Uh, and just during that time, um, we, we've expanded quite a bit kind of our understanding around what kind of is included in the autism spectrum, and really our understanding of like how many people that impacts. Uh, and it's a large number. <laughs> um, and and to, so to your point, sometimes people think, well, if it's just such a common thing, maybe it's not that uncommon. Um it's not that large of a number. Uh, it's still a, a, an uncommon thing. And, and like you said, it, when when we process information in ways that are different than kind of the structures of society and how um, we're expected to, to function and to interact with each other, that creates barriers, it creates other challenges um, that, you know, some people don't ever have to think about, um, because you're a neurotypical individual, um, neurodiverse individuals, Uh, Have an extra set of of things that they have to kind of worry about and and challenges they have to face. So, being just aware of that and and attuned to that, I think, is really important. Um, So, hopefully, we can create inclusive workplace environments where anyone can come and be valued and contribute in meaningful ways. Um, Of course, as an organization, we want that. We want people to contribute, we want people to be innovative, we want people to drive towards solutions um so it's a win-win if we can get out of our own way and kind of challenge our perhaps our our assumptions and um our, our the notions that may not be so accurate
1: absolutely we used to call each other weird and now we just realize that there's so much more we can add to the conversation from that different perspective
0: and the truth is my goodness aren't we all weird Oh, Everyone's- absolutely. <laughs> we're we're all it's just so weird. So uh I, I embrace that label. That's wonderful. All right. Well, tell us a little bit more um about you, you referred to kind of going from a corporate setting to now you're an entrepreneur, uh co founder, and and running your own business. Tell us a little bit about what that's like. Like what was yeah. your experience as a neurodiverse individual in a corporate setting? Um, what were some of the challenges you faced? And you know, that transition, how has that impacted you and and how do you find your situation now?
1: That's a great question because, uh, becoming a founder was a lot like going to college for me. When Mm. you go through the entire education system, people are giving you information. They're telling you how to perform. They're telling you what to do next. There's a whole structure and a ladder. And by God, I just excelled at that, you know, like, Mm. let me follow that rules set of rules. Um, and when I got to college, it was like, uh, Oh, no, I have to decide. Oh, okay. Um, And a lot about transitioning from corporate to being a founder was exactly the same in a way that I don't think I fully prepared myself for. Um, mm-hmm. One of the uh, thought leaders in ADHD that I really enjoy following likes to speak about um, the difference between obeying and creating. And I'm going to put a pit in that, the word obey, because I want to come back to that in just a second. But as a person who can have an exceptional amount of energy towards something. When you have too much towards the decision-making process, it can be very hard to make those decisions without a framework. So Mm. the important thing for somebody like me is to create a structure so that we are following and obeying as we have that kind of surge of energy and at other times, when we feel very focused on it, we create that structure. So really, the difference between being in a corporate job, the structure exists, essentially. And you can mm-hmm. modify it a little bit, but you know, meetings exist in this way, and documents are written in this way, and all that. Um, whereas being a founder, you really have to lean into uh, taking the time to create the structure first and then obey it. Because if you start every day saying, well, I guess I'll do something important today, uh, if you're like me, you won't. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, The other side of it, though, is like we talk about the word obey and uh, there's a really strong um, kind of counter defiance that is very common in those of us with ADHD because and actually also on the autism spectrum, because we see a structure and we question it. Because maybe that structure doesn't work for us. And, uh, and the structure is necessary for us to succeed. So we need to really challenge it and push it to where it will be um, something that helps all of us. Uh, and so while the concept of obeying a structure is very important, at the same time, um, we are definitely the people who will question everything. And so that also lends itself to becoming a great founder and just structuring your company in a different way that you think makes sense broader than just you.
0: Yeah. And in, in the structural issues that you're highlighting, um, it's, it's it's a hard thing because if you don't face particular challenges, you usually don't even notice, right? Yes. So, so I, I, for example, we're not talking about other types of diversity today, but I'm a straight cisgender white dude. I'm a neurotypical guy. Um, So I go throughout my day, unless I'm really trying to understand and see things from other people's perspectives. I go throughout my day with all my layers of privilege, and I probably won't even recognize like the the little things that start to stack up that other people from different backgrounds might have to face on a daily basis, right? I, I, I always, I cringe a little bit, you know, when people are saying stuff like, well, you know, I, I'm a white guy. I, I worked hard for what I got. I, mm-hmm. I'm i not just privileged. I'm like, yeah, well, I don't question that you work hard. You know, I work hard. I am a really hard worker. Um, I don't think anyone who knows me would question that. But both things can be true at the same time. I can be incredibly privileged and I can be a hard worker. <laughs> and And if I can just recognize that, um, what that means is at that point, then I can start uh, to, to recognize, some of those things that maybe I take for granted that other people find a little bit more challenging or they're, they're unnecessary obstacles that other people face. So while I'm neurotypical, um, it, it may not be obvious to me some of the, the little things that can start to add up and, and, and stack up for people that make it harder for them. If I talk to people, if I try to understand where they're coming from, and if I take the time to try to better understand the systems, the structures, the policies, practices, and procedures that may not be serving others as well as they might be serving me because they were designed for me. Um, At that point, I'm empowered. I can make a choice. I can decide how I'm going to interact with other people. I can challenge the status quo. I can push back on policies or procedures that maybe aren't as well suited uh, for others. And and I can, you know, from my standpoint, I want to be an ally. I want to be a supporter and a champion of of people who who might have challenges that I don't fully understand and and don't face on a day to day basis. Um, but that will only happen if I try to take the time to to better understand and if I can. Challenge the assumption that everything, all the status quo structures and systems exist in a way that they should exist and that they should continue to exist that way. That's kind of how humans tend to think. um, And that's just not true. Like there's just so many things that don't need to be the way they are. Uh, And, you know, one of the gifts of COVID for all the challenges that COVID brought us, one of the gifts of COVID was that for the first time for a lot of people, um, they really started to question: Do we really need to do things this way? Why? Just asking that "why" question again and again and again. Do we really need to? Uh, and and because of that, we, in a few short years, dismantled at least some of the things that were just unnecessary, uh, that were hindering the way we work together, the way we collaborate, uh, and the way we do business. So, anyways, I'm starting to ramble, but I, you know, that that's kind of as as you were talking. That's some of the things that were coming to mind for me. Um, and, and again, why I just think it's so important for us to take the time to better understand the systems, the structures that may serve us okay, but may not serve others around us as well.
1: I I completely agree. And as a leader with, uh, teams who follow you, the most important thing to do is to provide them avenues towards success. And part of that has to do with allowing them to bring their whole selves to work, figuring out who their their whole selves are, how they will perform well. And that's not saying everybody is a special snowflake that needs kid gloves. That's saying you hired these people for a reason. They have been successful before and they can be successful in the future. And if you're not letting them be successful, that's kind of your fault.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So as you transition from a corporate setting, now you're an entrepreneur. You're you're um, a co-founder, and you're working in your own space. You know, you you articulated, you know, for you how important it's been to focus on establishing the scaffolding and the structure to to support what you need to be successful and to be productive. Um, as an HR person, you know, I, I often think founders probably generally speaking, not just neurotip n- neurodiverse individuals, but generally speaking, I think most founders would be well um it would do them well to spend some time focusing on the systems, the structures, the policies, practice, and procedures so <laughs> before things start to grow and get out of hand, and all of a sudden you're like playing catch up and like trying to to get things sorted out. So I'll just say that from the get go, I, I think most uh, small businesses, you know, aren't putting enough time and thought into um, people management issues and and those sorts of things. So uh, set that aside for a moment as you you know find yourself in that space and you have a different motivation for setting up these systems right because it's just yeah. going to help you be more productive um what have you found you know as you try to be a leader so as someone who is neuro um diverse uh what have you found to be some of the biz- biggest obstacles for you as you're interacting with or maybe i'm making an assumption but i'm assuming not everyone you work with on your team are also neurodiverse so you have neurotypical individuals you know how are you leading in that kind of a context where you have different people with different backgrounds and different styles and different ways of making sense of the world?
1: Yeah. I like to think of myself as a person who enjoys like a very deep tangled, not mess of a problem and to just kind of pick out the threads until I can make it an organized structure. Um, That's something that really drives me. And I could just hyper-focus on that for as long as you will let me. So when I think about how we enter different lines of business or how we conquered new problems, I try to take on that first step myself. And I realize that as our company gets bigger, that's going to be my fatal flaw. Because if I take on everything myself, that will all fail. But at least for right now, it's working. Um, and so what I like to think about is I test a structure out. And then once I'm happy with that structure, then I introduce it to the team and we start following it. Um, And you're absolutely right. We have compliance documents. We have employee manuals. We have like project management software. We are so scaffolded, probably just for my own good. Um, But it all works out really well for uh, the team as we structure right now. And the best part about it is that I then get to hire people who are execution focused, and they can just get going with the structure that we have and deliver to an incredible level, uh, which is a different strength than mine, and one that is very important as you're trying to get traction with a business.
0: What are some of the challenges you faced as you're trying to do all of this, right? You you have all the normal challenges of being an entrepreneur and trying to grow and scale a business. Um, That's not for the faint of heart. That's challenging for anybody. Um, You find yourself... As a neurodiverse individual, working with other people that are neurotypical, you're trying to set up the systems, the, 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 the procedures, etc. What have been some of the biggest challenges for you in working with those other individuals um, to do this in a way that, you know, they, so others don't just feel like, oh, I just have to do this because Claire needs it, you know, or whatever, you know what I mean?
1: Sure, I, I actually think my biggest uh, my biggest challenge is myself when I when I work on creating systems, I try to make them as low-fi as possible. I try to make mm-hmm. them as easily uh, usable for others because if it's annoying for others, it's also going to be annoying for me. Um, it's not that I just love my checklists and they <laughs> right. don't work, right? Um, but my hardest challenge is myself because there are times when I know that in order to move forward with some aspect of the business, I need to create a structure. And I can be very reticent to do that until I've got a really clear frame of mind of what to do. Um, and, and because that creating process is so much more challenging for me. Um, so especially we have this seasonality to our business actually, because, uh, we focus on helping people in the budgeting cycle the most. Um, Uh And so over the summer, the budgeting cycle kind of goes quiet and everyone spends what they've got and they're on vacation and, you know, nobody focuses as much. And so there's a lot less client inbound discussions and a lot more focus on making our business better. And as much as I need that work, it also doesn't really refresh my batteries. And so I can just really get myself caught uh, and, Thank goodness my co-founder and I have worked together for like 10 years. And so we kind of work really hard to pull each other out. But I think that in terms of challenges, it's really not hating myself and being okay mm-hmm. with the fact that I'm acting exactly in the way that I would expect myself to and to not yeah. expect too much.
0: Yeah. Excellent. And just that level of self-awareness is, is so important and the self- patience and compassion (laughs) around that, I think is also just really, really important. Um, that's something I think all of us struggle with, uh, sometimes, you know, that we just, you know, why can't we just do this? Why, you know, why, why are we reacting and responding this way? You know, if we can get out of the judgment game and just get into the awareness game, like understand what's happening and why, uh, and then, that awareness can then allow us to make choices. We can choose if we want to adjust. We can choose if we want to do something a little bit differently. We want to set up a new system or whatever. And it's not about judgment. Like, nobody's perfect. We can just accept that. We're not always going to do things exactly the way we wish we did or would or could or whatever. You just accept that. And it becomes like this constant iterative process of just learning and growth. Like, I, I see that as a much more healthy way of approaching the, the, the inevitable day-to-day setbacks and challenges that we're all going to face. And we all have good days. We all have bad days. We have times things work out the way we hope they would. And other times where they fail uh, dramatically, you know, in great fashion, you know, where, where it just doesn't happen the way we want it to. And that's okay. As long as we're learning from it, as long as we're iterating from it. And that's in large part, what I hear you saying, like, I hear you talking about just that level of self-awareness so that you can make those small incremental improvements little by little every day. You know, I often think, you know, if 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 everyone could just strive to be 5% better every day, um not yeah. in terms of judgment, right? But just like in terms of awareness and in terms of iteration. Like if we can just be aware and and try to just improve 5% every day, can you imagine what we could accomplish individually within our organizations as societies uh what could happen. The potential would be limitless, you know, uh, and and so it doesn't need to be this huge thing. Oftentimes, we get ourselves overwhelmed by thinking, "Oh, I need to do a complete systems overhaul. I need to do a complete, I need yeah. to wipe myself clean and start fresh, or whatever." Like, no, you don't. You just need to try to just do a little bit better every day, uh, and in the aggregate, that makes all the difference in the world.
1: Absolutely. my My little hack for that is actually whenever anything seems super uh, insurmountable. I like to think about doing productive procrastination. So there will be something else that is valuable. It's not nearly as important as that huge thing in front of me, but Mm -hmm. by doing and committing to getting something done that actually turns the wheels and I can be thinking about something in the background so that I can then take on that larger task. And just purely by switching gears uh, into a new task and, and choosing one that's a little bit more rote um, it really allows for almost a meditative process.
0: Yeah, I love it. So if you find yourself stuck, if you find yourself struggling, um, you know, sometimes it's, it, yeah, I don't want to advocate for avoid all the hard things and only ever do the things you like to do. That's not what sure. you're saying, but, no. but um, but absolutely like sometimes falling back into your comfort zone of things that you can just do, you know, you can do well, it can really get you out of that rut and get you back on the path. So I, I think absolutely. That's, that's excellent.
1: Or take a shower now that we can work for home. <laughs>
0: take a shower, walk the dogs, the right <laughs> yeah, do something to reset your brain yeah. um you know, I think that's that's tremendous uh what long time listeners of the podcast know I have two dogs um and I walk them religiously you know uh i I love my family, I have six children uh, I've been married for twenty one years i I'm not saying I'm like trying to escape them or anything, but man, I really look forward to that half hour <laughs> where I get. My two dogs out at the park every day because it's a mental reset. It's it's just yeah. it's so refreshing. It's meditative, um, and the restorative process. Yeah, uh, the the restorative um, aspects of pets and and all of that. Right. So it's just something that I am I'm dead set. I'm going to do this every day, almost no matter what, um, and and it pays a lot of dividends we all have those things that we can do for some people it might be walking your dogs. Some people might be taking a nice long shower or a bath, whatever, whatever it is for you, lean into it, give yourself permission to do it. uh, And ultimately, you know, I think we'll all benefit. Well, Claire, I know the time I need to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Sure. Uh, thanks John for having me. Um, I can be found on most social sites with the handle Claire designs. Um, my business is aimably a I M a B L Y and, uh, I am the kind of person that you'll find out there writing some opinionated stuff. So I like being challenged. If you see something I write and it's got an opinion that you disagree with, I would love to hear from you um, because I think that's what makes us all better. And that's really where I try to engage even beyond our business and with other people in other ways. So if I leave you with anything on ADHD in particular and neurodiversity and broad is that we are all a work in progress. Uh, just because you have a diagnosis doesn't mean you're limited. And in fact, it's really important to know that a lot of CEOs actually have ADHD. So uh, yep. if you've got this diagnosis, you might actually be destined for greatness.
0: There's a lot of positive aspects to it and a lot of positive traits. You've identified some of them for us today. So absolutely, don't, don't fall victim to a label, uh, own your, you know, Be proud of who you are and and own who you are and and lean into those characteristics and aspects that will, will drive success. Thank you, Claire. It's been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Claire can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.